The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it is Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing this uh, fine day? Yes, uh, doing wonderful, you know, a, a lot of business to take care of, you know, a lot of big things happening, especially in Vegas, you know, just a couple months away, uh, AEW uh, makes their return, and we're looking at it as like a SummerSlam weekend. Last year, you know, we did our show, we did a show, you know, with GCW, they did their show, and everything was hugely successful, and you know, independent wrestling, I think, is going to be much more represented this time at AEW because, you know, it's a lot of those super indie guys. So it's a little different. A lot of WWE fans, you know, not really pay that much attention to the independents. And since GCW has gotten as big as it has, you know, it's great to work with them. And, you know, I'm, I'm also, you know, on the horn well, on the horn these days is usually on Facebook, but I was actually on the horn with a, uh, you know, Hall of Famer yesterday trying to uh, work some things out for that weekend and uh, give you a little spoiler. He was very interested. So it eliminates a, a, a woman Hall of Famer. So, But, you know, we're looking for good things. I've talked to some companies and, you know, possibly bringing him in, you know, as a type of uh, collective for that that weekend, you know, talking with GCW, you know, nothing set in stone. But, you know, there's probably a good chance they like to come. They like to come to the cities that are running big events and they like Vegas. And we've talked a little bit. So hopefully, uh, you know, FSW versus GCW two. You know, could be coming soon. You know what I mean? Um, now, let's theoretically say that um, something like that is put in place with GCW. When you did it in SummerSlam weekend, you guys were at the arena, um, the FSW arena, I should say, so people know. Um, would you, is it possible to consider moving it to an even bigger uh, venue? because of the fact that there was a high demand for the tickets back um, in the summer, could you foreseeably see an even higher demand because of the fact that AEW is going to be in town and that brings more of that fan base in to want to see, you know, a huge independent show like that? You know, fans love coming to something that's an experience you know, at the FSW arena, you're limited to people who are really hardcore wrestling fans. You know, they come to a small packed arena. You know, it's great, you know, but you're not going to get 
food. You're not going to get alcohol, which, you know, is usually a pretty big thing when it comes to the reason why we've had the success we've had getting venues is because we produce numbers. You know, the bottom line is they need to make money doing it. And the Silver Nugget was supposedly, you know, very happy with the way everything turned out. Uh, The difference is the reason we didn't do GCW, FSW in a bigger venue was because of the hardcore nature, you know, where we were at, that it, it, it just couldn't fly. You know, at the Silver Nugget, I don't really see that as an issue. You know, if somebody's going to bash a fucking light tube over somebody's head, I don't think they care as long as they're using our insurance. They ain't worried about it. You know what I mean? They probably had enough fights at the Quinceañeras in their day. So that was probably the main reason why we didn't do it. You know, we couldn't do Sam's Town with GCW. Like, as good as Nick Gage versus Funny Bone was in Sam's Town, you know, he was limited to what he knew he was able to do. And right. the experience of bringing in Nick Gage, you know, we got PG-13 Nick Gage. While at the FSW Arena, you know, we got hardcore Nick Gage. And right. from what everybody was talking about, you know, they loved that event and they loved that match. So, you know, moving forward, AEW is running on the Sunday. So... We're trying to lock up the Friday and the Saturday. Well, you know, we have no problem trying to do something. You know, if GCW, say, comes in and wants to do Saturday night, well, we'd probably do a main show on Friday night. But I could see us trying to do a joint show with some companies on Saturday afternoon, you know, that I think could be uh, hugely successful. You know, there will be people in town. You know, I'm pretty certain the guys we use from AC- AEW won't be available, but I'm pretty sure a guy like Casey Navarro, who if they're not using or Brian Cage, you know, we we can have on that show. You know, my kid pitched the main event already, Killer Cross versus Cody Rhodes. So, you know, who, who knows if that could happen? If that did happen, number one, A, it would be extremely expensive, but B... <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I bet the uh, that room would be packed. Well, and you and it's interesting because I think now in this day and age, it, it, there's always that possibility, let's say if that is a theoretic, of, of course, but let's say that Cody hasn't signed with someone. He, he is taking dates, especially that weekend. And um, it seems like that would be the perfect opportunity for fan sponsorship to make that type of thing happen is that something that you would consider um you know reaching out to some of the people who have um sponsored wrestlers in the past to make and and if it's not cody Rhodes, something as big of that type of match against someone like cross happen oh a thousand percent you know uh garth our regular sponsor from from finley you know, he stepped up and wanted to be the sponsor of that match. And we're always willing, you know, if somebody wants to give me money to sponsor Brandon G's next match, I'm going to take the money. Why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? Brought to you by, you know, the reason they do it is we don't get sponsors in most cases unless they're wrestling fans. So if they like somebody, 
you know, our boy Pat from, you know, who drives the cars as the FSW logo when he's driving around, you know, he's a big fan of Sandra Moon. So he's, you know, sponsored a couple of the matches and he's a regular that always comes to the show. And that's how it usually ends up being, you know, it's a lot harder to find people as sponsors who have no interest in professional wrestling to now put their money out because they don't understand what might be the value of it. Right. That's a very valid point. Um, Along those lines of uh, kind of playing fantasy booker um, and AEW being in town that weekend, has anyone mainly death proof, maybe pitched a match between death proof and the Hardy boys. Uh, they haven't, but again, being AEW weekend, I highly doubt that AEW is going to allow their wrestlers to work live events in Las Vegas that weekend. Right. Uh, we couldn't get Jay lethal who we had booked to work a show on a Friday night, not because they were live on Friday night, but because they were on TV Friday night. So it wasn't like they were in a venue. They didn't want their people working Friday night shows because they are seen on cable television. So they want that to seem, you know, I, I don't know how many people do or don't know that it's taped, I guess, you right. know, but they want that perception that if you're watching Jay Lethal on a rampage, you're watching him live. What's he doing wrestling for FSW? I thought he was right. there. You know, it's the old, uh, you know, Rick Rude hanging out on Raw and then showing up on Nitro. <laughs> um, you know, when you think of putting those types of events uh, together where it's going to be an extended weekend, um, what is the main um, headache for you, I guess, in terms of what you have to look at to make sure that you can fit either two shows or three shows into a time frame that's all also allowing um you know if you're working with this company or that company them to present shows themselves how do you work around that what's what's that main hassle for you or roadblock in um, making sure that you get the amount of shows that you'd like to get in on that weekend well, because, you know, I have to cater when GCW comes in. If they said, hey, we want to do Saturday night, for example. Well, why would I run against them? Right. You know what I mean? It's not going to benefit us. A lot of our fans are going to want to see that two or three time a year GCW show when FSW is running 40 shows a year in Vegas. So it's something different for them. We're not going to run against AEW. We're not, you know, we're not going to run against Ring of Honor. You know, right. we're not going to run against WWE. We we want to kind of fit in. You know, I'm 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 not ego driven to the point of oh fuck these motherfuckers. You know, they're coming into my town. And it's like, you know what? We we want to work with bigger companies because that helps us be bigger. You know, right. whether it's you know, we have 15 guys work the first AEW pay-per-view, you know what I mean? Or, you know, being at part of the ring crew for Ring of Honor and at Impact, you know, being there, you know, setting up the ring and spending eight hours a day, three days because they got TV tapings, you know, just for the hope, 
you know, that some of our guys, you know, get ability, you know, get a chance to be on the show. But the main thing is it's Memorial Day weekend. So you have to make sure you're bringing in the best guys you can because the flights and the hotels are a lot more, you know. There's marginal guys or guys that are good that work the Mecca that at twice the price, you know, you're probably going to pass on them and use them at a different time. You know, I'm, I'm contemplating because our very first show was Memorial Day weekend and we had the Young Bucks and we had Kenny King and we had, you know, Funny Bone. We had a lot of great talent on that show. And the thing is, we could do Mecca 8 on Memorial Day weekend, or we could do the anniversary show. Well, if we do the anniversary show, you, we're, we're more localized. And then maybe we bring in a Davey Richards, and we bring in a few name guys, Cross, if he's available, etc. While if it was Mecca 8, now we have a large grouping of people that we would have to narrow down which, of course, with the FSW talent, we would use less of them because we're trying to bring in the biggest name guys because obviously we have to draw. And, you know, just like we did at the last Mecca, you know, you saw Death Proof and Remy Marcel and Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff and Jay Vidal and Sandra Moon and Funny Bone. So we did have, you know, a good amount of localized FSW talent But then we sprinkled in who also lives in Vegas, the TJ Perkins, the Willie Mack, the Chris Bay, you know, Hammerstone, who's in Arizona. You know, we didn't bring in a shit ton of dudes. We brought in Cross, who was the biggest star that we created or helped create and flew him in from Florida. But, you know, the idea is trying to make sure we get West Coast talent. There's plenty of them out there. You know, I love Chris Masters. He's doing good things. You know, he's still in phenomenal shape, you know. And the question becomes, well, what if we work with another company? Well, who are they going to bring in to help make this a bigger show? You know what I mean? We've talked with some people and they have a, you know, and one of the conversations I had is, you know, they're similar to us. They have school, they have, you know, homegrown talent, but that homegrown talent is not what we need for a mega show that we're looking to do. Right. Um, you know, thinking of talent coming in, uh, have you ever considered um, on a weekend like this? And I don't, I don't think I've caught wind of anything as of yet in terms of some kind of um, convention uh, where you have, you know, guys coming in for the signings. Have you ever thought about putting something like that together because you guys do a good job already in the meet and greets that you guys present? Would that be something that would even cross your mind as a possibility? Well, for example, if we did, say, a Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock show, uh, where we did a joint show, and we did it with, you know, a Defy, a West Coast Pro, a 
reality of wrestling with Booker T, which we've talked about in the past. Well, of course, we'd have to take advantage of it. So let's just say GCW runs at 8 o'clock. Maybe they move to 9 o'clock. We do our show at 2 o'clock. And then from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock, there's a giant meet and greet. Well, a meet and greet with Booker T is great. But a meet and greet with Booker T and Nick Gage and Effie and that crew of guys and a Chris Masters and a Davey Richards and a Willie Mack, now you have, you know, mega stars. And being that we do have the relationship with Scott over at Power Play, because he's always looking for, you know, talent to come in. You know, he hit me up. He's got his convention just, for example, I don't, not his convention, whatever they do at Sunset Station, they get a bunch of tables. It's a big, big card and collectible show. Yeah. So at that point, it's like, hey, you got anybody going on, you know, going, anything going on March 19th? I'm like, no, we, we, we're probably doing the week after. And he was like, hey, do you know anybody? And it's like, yeah, I do, but it kind of defeats the purpose. That's how we usually offset costs to right. where we book them on the show. You book them at the, uh, at the, uh, at the mall. And we kind of offset. If you bring somebody in now, you're going to pay full price for a flight. You're going to get the hotel and you got to pay them. And then if I brought them in a week later, I'd have to pay them again. So it's, it's not really working out a deal. So, you know, trying to get that to where, you know, in the past, look at the big name guys we've had, you know, whether it was, you know, EC3 and Lance Hoyt and even, you know, Brian Cage and, you know, Teddy Hart and all the name guys that we would continually bring in, you know, did signings over there. You right. know, Matt Hardy, you know, a couple of times he signed over there because that's how popular he was, you know. And it was even guys, you know, uh, Simon Gotch, guys that had, you know, WWE you know, pedigree to them. And he felt that there was a value in bringing him in, Chris Masters. It's just like, if you look down the list of the biggest name guys we brought in, there was a good chance that they were also, you know, signing at the mall, Tommy Dreamer and Raven, you know, when they came in for Mecca 2, you know, John Morrison and Taya and, you know, a who's who of who he has brought to the, to, you know, his shows was through us. Yeah. Um, speaking of shows, you just had a uh, high octane that uh, took place this past Friday. Uh, what for you were some of the uh, highlights in terms of uh, the matches? Uh, and um, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you in a second uh, about the, uh, the new appearance of, uh, the faction there with the uh, lights camera faction, but in terms of matches, um, were there any things that stood out to you? Any storylines that you think are progressing as well that might lead up to something in the future? Well, I think we did a, a, a very good job. Uh, this show featured a lot of newer guys that uh, we may not have utilized in the past. Uh, Best of the West rented out our arena for a show the next day. So we decided, hey, why not use some of that talent who's been trying to get involved with the FSW? Uh, wise guy was scheduled to wrestle Brandon Gatson, and I thought that was going to be a fantastic matchup. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, 
Gasson fell ill and, and he was unable to make it. Yeah. So we brought in Jordan Oasis and they had a really good match. Wise guy got a nice victory and you know, that was a good way to start the show. Hang on. <laughs> Let me get my dogs. <laughs> so, you know, we we opened the show with that and and or actually the second match on the show. But you know, we got a chance to see, you know, there was, oh, no, I'm sorry. He didn't work. Uh, he worked uh, George, John Wolfgang out of uh, Dom's oh, yeah. school in Phoenix sure. Championship Wrestling. And I'll tell you what, man, this kid hasn't been doing it for very long, but he was very, very good. And then we used another talent that they had out there that Remy uh, put over for the few matches he's had in Ch- uh, Phoenix Championship Wrestling, a kid named Devin Reno. You know, I hate his name, but he looks like a junior version of class. And yeah. it's like class being out injured. You know, there's potential that this this guy, maybe he fits in in a tag team with class because, you know, they, they look like they, they, you know, they could be related. So, yeah. you know, we got the opportunity, you know, to see him and we progress storylines. You know, it's obvious that. You know, Nevada State Championship. You know, Gregory Sharp. Yeah. He is revisiting what made him become what he did. So him and Remy Marcel are creating a whole new legacy uh, over the Nevada State title. You know, so that's where we go with that. You know, then Shogun and Hero, you know, they've firmly established themselves as the number one contenders for the tag titles, you know, they've decimated pretty much everybody, you know, they, you know, sky highs wrestled a lot of great teams, but they've never were decimated the way they were by Shogun and hero. And, uh, I may not know where the venue is going to be, but on March 27th, um, spoiler alert, we have signed TBD, against uh, Toko Uso, and the venue is TBD. So that's to be determined. Not to be confused with the other TBD, because we don't know if that's what that really means. So so the tag titles are there, the, 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 uh, the Nevada State titles. And then to end the show, uh, it looks like we found somebody who has his eyes set on the biggest prize in FSW and has, you know, heard it before, be careful what you wish for ice Williams, because, you know, I'm not sure there's enough backup when uh, Hammerstone looks for some revenge on ice after what happened at the end of the show. Yeah. And let me ask you, because I think that the fans really kind of, um, the, the buzz was going on about, you know, the new look of uh, Lights, Camera, Faction, the um, almost the 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 new cool heel attitude. Do you think that that's kind of where that's heading and who came up with the idea? Was it the guys who came up with the idea of the um, the new look and, and how they're going to go about kind of 
going into that next phase of what the faction is? Well, you're saying the new look. Well, they were jumping Hammerstone and trying to disguise who they were. I don't know if they're going to be coming out with, you know, ski masks. Well, not necessarily uh, the ski masks, but I think that um, that whole, the black, you know, ensemble, the almost the Black Panther-esque look to it, I think that caught uh, a number of people's eyes as, there was something there like because usually when they come out it's all that flash and i think that the simplicity of just being just these badasses coming out in black really kind of you know took people by surprise to the point where it's like hey i know i'm supposed to hate them but that's kind of cool uh number one i didn't look at it that way i just saw you know the the four of them come out dressed all in black to, to do what they were going to do. And I don't care what you say about them looking cool. The fact of the matter is nobody's going to cheer Braxton. He's an asshole. You know what I mean? And it's and ice Williams. I never thought I'd find a guy that people would hate more than Braxton. And they do with ice Williams. Like they didn't like him to begin with, but then him being put in with them, and joining yeah. up with those guys, you know, as I said, the uncrowned leader, Frescomatic, you know, he's just languishing with them, yeah. you know, he, he should break out and, you know, lights, camera, Fresco, you know what I'm saying? That would be the, the antithesis of lights, camera faction. So maybe if Fresco finally listens up, you know, and stops worrying about, you know, his podcast and focus on listening to me you know, he may go a little further in the business. Um, you know, when you think of um, that possibility of someone like Fresco uh, starting to get those opportunities, what is the doorway? What is the path for someone who is in a faction or in a tag team to for you to know when the right time is to pull a trigger on someone than getting that opportunity to go on a singles run. Is that something that you identify? How do you look at that and then give that opportunity to someone who basically has earned that? There's your answer. They, they, they have to earn it. You know, we loved Jay Vidal. You know, he was in a tag team with Parada. And, you know, all of a sudden they, they, there became something about them. But... I always knew from day one, Jay Vidal, you know, could be a single star, but his connection with Parada made them what we needed at the time, which was a yeah. solid tag team that really got a lot of love from the fans. And when Parada left, it gave Jay Vidal the opportunity to get some matches and he excelled way beyond expectation. How, how can you hold that person back, you know? Right. And if it wasn't for Matt Vandegrift, who did the same thing when Damian Drake got injured, Jay Vidal would be your FSW wrestler of the year. Yeah. You know, he had the popularity. People loved him. You know, the unguided versus the bad bitches were probably going to be a mainstay, you know, tag feud down the line. But yeah. – one guy left, had issues, decided he needed a break from wrestling, and then another guy got hurt, 
and your two standout single stars would have never gotten that opportunity if one guy didn't quit and the other guy didn't get hurt. Uh, and speaking of uh, the injury with Damian Drake, uh, how have you perceived so far his uh, comeback since the injury? And when you start looking at how you utilize him, uh, what is the stepping stones for someone like him who it's very easy to take Ice Williams, who, like you said, is so hateable, and put him against Hammerstone, and you have just a wonderful mix right there. But someone like Damian Drake, who can be a heel, but is always going to get the local love, how much does that hurt that prospect of him potentially going on to wrestle someone like Hammerstone if Hammerstone is still the champion um, when Damian Drake is ready to make that leap? Well... That's a very interesting question. You know, the problem becomes a lot of times when you're a champion and then you lose the championship, where do you go? Yeah. We haven't seen the bonus boys, the RMB, since they lost their contenders match with Death Proof, where Death Proof went on to win the tag titles and then now Toko Uso's got them. Now, the RMB, they've held the tag titles numerous times. They've beaten the lower tier tag teams on the rise to wrestling for, for tag title matches. Where do you go with them? Yeah. You know, death proof. They had their run. Where do you go with them? They're going to wrestle the same guys over and over. So you're trying to keep things fresh. You're trying to keep things, you know, where people are going to give a shit. You know, right. we brought in Davey Richards. So, hey, I thought it would be a great match for Jacob Austin Young. Maybe the best thing to do was death proof is death proof, but maybe they're not going to wrestle as many tag matches. You know, right. Cody got the opportunity and he ended up wrestling in a match with Damian Drake and, and, and Davey Richards uh, himself, yeah. you know, when we did the four way uh, elimination of the final four for the limitless tournament. So one idea with the RB was something similar. Maserati, she's been ready to return, you know, She's had some great success since she lost that TLC match against Sandra Moon, and we've seen her one time, and that was in the uh, the Battle of the Sexes match right. that, that she had uh, at one of our bigger shows. But she's ready to come back, but she's the champ. Who's she going to beat up? She's going to beat up the same girls that she beat up before? Well, that doesn't add anything to the story. It's like, so that's also on me to create something that people are going to care about, that it's not going to be the same old, same old, you know? Hey, big match, Maserati versus Sandra Moon. Well, they've seen it 30 times. Right. Why would they want to see it the 31st time? And if I don't have a good enough reason, then we can't do it until sure. we do have a good enough reason. So trying to restart the future shocks, trying to get the new talent initiative and, you know, bringing in, some new faces that we feel, you know, guy like Gatson gets hurt. Eli Everfly has been hurt for a while. These are, these are two guys, you know, Toa Leona, you know, a guy that we, you know, we're banking on, you know, issues beyond anyone's control made these guys not usable over the last couple of months. Right. So now, you know, Eli Everfly's healed. Okay. Let's get him going. You know, 
who wouldn't want to see a Jay Vidal, Eli Everfly feud? You know what I mean? It's like over the No Limits title. But there's no, n- numerous No Limits guys. There's a Gatson, older, veteran, little bigger, Adrian Quest, who's killing it, you know, all over the place, involved with Jay Vidal. Jay Vidal's got a list of people that are yeah. definitely deserving. You know, him and Wise Guy will be a great match. Wise Guy's sure. awesome. Sure. Problem with Wise Guy is just finding room for all these guys that are so talented, you know, and then you mix in. You know, you got you got a Brett the Threat who is, is, is looking like a monster these days. I saw him the other day. But, you know, he may have bit off a little more than he can chew with Caljack. Here's a guy 6'6", 300 pounds, you know, pack 12 amateur wrestling legend. You know what I mean? And we've seen him do his thing at, uh, you know, when we did the Natural Born Killers. So there's a match. Or there's something involved with Bodie and and Brett the Threat. And, you know, I've always had a dream of the anniversary show being Bodie versus Disco Inferno. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting things, you know, where we can go with. You got the Rookie of the Year, Nick Zander. we got a newly focused, not that he wasn't focused, but now he's, you know, a commitment to being around, you know, Steven Trissario. You know, this guy yeah. has held titles all over California. And, you know, he is now a regular here in FSW. And, yeah. you know, I could see, you know, some good matches between him and Nick Xander, you know, down the line. So there, there's so much going on that, you look and say, oh, man, look at the show you had in High Octane. You know, Damian Drake wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, Jay Idell wasn't there. You know, there was a lot of people that weren't there. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's also trying to, like, focus the roster to be the solid 20, 25 guys and, and maybe not be the two-show Raw SmackDown that I always bitch about that they're trying to, there's 50 guys. Well, how about you take your top 30? Well, maybe that's something we need to do. We need to focus on who's going to be there all the time instead of, you know, as good as no limits guys there are, having 11 of them on the roster isn't helping anybody. Right. So, you know, maybe streamlining, downsizing, because when we do a show with GCW or we do a show and we're trying to do multiple shows with different companies and stuff like that. Now, all of a sudden, there's people that are going to be upset. They're going to be bothered. Oh, what about me? How come I'm not on the show? Oh, you use this guy. And and it's mainly the younger guys like the locker room of the Mecca is much more easy to deal with. Because they've already had huge success. Right. And the younger guys are always looking for a reason why they didn't get something. Other than sometimes it just is what it is. It's nothing personal. It's nothing business. It just doesn't fit in that spot. You know, of course, Gregory Sharp is probably disappointed he didn't get to be on the Mecca. But he's been around long enough to understand that these things happen. While some of the younger guys are not even near the level of Gregory Sharp, you know, are pissing and moaning about what they didn't get. Oh, why did he get on the show? Because he was the guy I needed on the show. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very valid point. And I think that's something that 
Um, also, it's funny too because it it's a trick in balancing that for you because of the fact that you want to encourage them to stay hungry, but you also need them to realize the why and the how in not only um, the time served and, and, and learning that aspect, but also sometimes it just has to be the right opportunity. You're not going to put them in a situation where you're devaluing, devaluing them or um, putting them in with someone that maybe they're not ready to face and potentially making that person look bad. Um, there's so many factors that go into it. When you think of how you explain that to someone, what is the easiest way to get that message across? And, and for anyone who's listening who is a young wrestler, what is the easiest way for them to understand that it's not that they're not good, it's not that they're not trying hard enough, it's not that they should be discouraged. What is it that you do to present that to them so they understand, okay, Joe's not an asshole or this booker's not an asshole. It's just how it works in terms of you growing as a professional wrestler. Well, you, you, you assume the, the guys that have the potential to be great will understand, but I've talked to the same guys over and over and they just don't get it. Like they don't understand it and, you know, all they see themselves, you know, and they're, they're pigeonholed to blinders are on and it's what they want or what their perception of is what they should get. You yeah. know, it's when I talk about working in the past, you had one or two other companies in town and they ran a show here. They ran a show there. Now you can have 15 shows in a month. And I don't need somebody who's working 11 of them. I really don't, you know, but I have a thing about guys who we trained and we, we got started in this that I try to accommodate. I try to give them some opportunities and maybe more so than I probably should. And because when they're not booked on the show, Hey, boss, what's going on? You know, I'm not booked. But then if I don't talk to them, then I'm like, hey, uh, you're going to be here Saturday, right? Well, I'm, I got you in a mat. Oh, no, I got another show. So it doesn't go the other way. Right. Like, I know when they're already booked because they aren't bitching about not being booked on my show. So it's like I'm supposed to keep the door open for them. And when they're ready, I'll put right. them in. Well, there's only a few people that I will do that for. And one's my FSW heavyweight champion, Hammerstone. When he can make a show, he's on it. He can't make a show, not a problem. Go out there. You know, he's done more for me than all the students do. You know what I mean? It's like some of them feel, hey, I paid dues and I paid dues for a year and I'm not on a show. Yet, Brett the Threat and Nick Xander have been here for seven months. They're on shows. And it's like, well, it's not a participation trophy. You know, they worked hard. They earned the spot. Now that they earned the spot because they're better wrestlers, 
probably, but they also earned the spot because they were around to help. When you needed them, they were around and they were willing to put in the time and effort. A lot of guys aren't willing to put in the time and effort. They're not around to help. There was a bunch of them. It's like, hey, uh, I didn't see you for breakdown at the Mecca. I didn't see you for setup at the Mecca. And I didn't see you for breakdown after the Mecca because you weren't on the show. If you're on the show, you're around. Well, why do I need you on the show? As you've seen, that card, a lot of you guys aren't going to be part of the casino shows. And if you can't help, well, then go work all the other shows around and enjoy yourself. You know, there's no harm. There's no foul. You you know what I mean? It's like they got to do what's best for them. But then they don't expect me to do what's best for me. It's my fucking company. You know, it's my money. You know, Rocky put up a lot of money. Joe put up a lot of money, you know, to give opportunities that sometimes you just shake your head and be like, man, these are the most miserable, ungrateful motherfuckers. And you don't, you know, I can't pigeonhole everybody, but there's just enough of them. It's always that one person who ruins everything for the whole group. And it's the same scenario when it comes to the wrestling school. You know, I was talking to uh, Mike Rain with the best of the West. And he was talking about the same thing about, you know, guys complaining and bitching and having their own little group chats, you know, to to complain about what they weren't getting. But in a, in a large capacity, most of those guys won't come to the promoter or the owner like me or Mike Rain or or uh, Joey at Santino Brothers or Dom at, at, at the other one. They'll bitch and complain about why they're not getting it. And but they won't find out the reason why they're not getting it. Right. And a lot of times they might not want to know why they're not getting it because the truth hurts. And most of us aren't going to fucking sugarcoat it. You know, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. Just because you got to work that company over there and that company over there. It sure says a lot when I'm the, lo- I'm the guy who trained you and I'm not putting you on a show. I give a lot of opportunities. So if I haven't given you one yet, it's probably because you haven't, deserved it yet i don't think you're ready you know it's easy to go say oh yeah i i trained at fsw oh okay and you come down with somebody and you need a guy so you use him yeah and i've also looked at some companies that book some of the shittiest talent in the world so who's to say that this guy's good that guy's good i got a hundred really good guys who want to work that it just hasn't worked out. I just, you know, I just hit up, uh, got hit up by Gino Rivera, really talented. Just yeah. hasn't worked out. You know, maybe here, oh, maybe there. Hey, I got this date, and there's no other reason other than it just hasn't worked out. How frustrated do you get with um, a young wrestler who, in terms of, and and not even talking the opportunity. But someone who is, let's say, a few months into schooling and when they're being asked to come to help uh, a setup or a breakdown, that a guy like that person will show up, but a person who's been around for six, seven, eight months won't show up. What is what is it in the mentality that basically makes them feel that they're more entitled, whereas 
someone who's only been there for a couple of months, you know, just realizes, hey, I, I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do with my professional life. Does that make any sense to you at all that that scenario actually happens? Well, it, it's work ethic and you learn people's work ethic very quickly. You see who's there. You see who's around for stuff where they may not necessarily be getting things. A guy like Watson, who lives in Phoenix, would come down to shows that he was never booked on, that he knows he wasn't going to be on, just to show his face and just to help out if necessary. And, you know, he had been in the business, you know, a good amount of time. He was one of the rising stars of Arizona wrestling, but... He wanted to be part of FSW. So he went out there with, you know, a handful of others. Bryn Thorne's another who who used yeah. to show up, you know, a little earlier in their career. Now, most of them don't show up anymore. There's a new crop that, you know, we saw, you know, yeah. and at Future Shock, they we're going to use a couple of them. Uh, there's one kid, Blair, from, uh, you know, from Phoenix, who trains with that crew, and they're taught well, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, we got class and we got Wolfgang and this Devin Reno kid looks good. And this Blair guy I hear good things about. So those three guys are all going to get, you know, even though they worked one show for us, but they are getting an opportunity at Future Shock to really showcase themselves. And it'd be nice if we can get a, a bigger relationship with Phoenix Championship Wrestling, with Dom and Guys like Graves, Hammerstone, and Gallo are part of that company. You know, we're all tight. So to do something together is definitely, you know, something we would love to do, which we did years ago, where I remember it was a guy named Dexter Verity and Val Venus were their tag champs when we did FSW Arizona. And we had wrestled the scum at a Samstown show. And Johnny the Bull was there. And, you know, we had set up a lot of good stuff. And it becomes the us versus them mentality, which we saw was usually successful with the FSW GCW thing. It's, yeah. it's almost like, you know, the fans have that hometown pride. Like I said, when I saw it in FSW, when we had Jordan Oliver wrestle Hammerstone yeah. to me, it was almost like the Redskins and the Cowboys and the giants to where it was these two teams that no matter how much you thought the quarterback sucked, we're still the giant guys. So yeah. no matter if you didn't like an FSW guy, he was wrestling the enemy. Yeah. He might, and again, he might be my enemy, but they're everybody's enemy in Vegas. So right. it, it made for a much more appealing show because, you know, there was rooting interests in it because whether they knew who they were or they didn't, you know, we put Remy Marcel in with the guy and, and we put, you know, Cody and funny bone, two of our most favorite guys. And as much as our fans maybe love and respect the Nick Gage and an AJ gray, it was still my company versus your company. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we're looking to do with the future shock moving forward, you know, and instead of just, Hey, we got a great new talent, Jordan Cruz. Like instead, it's more like, 
Hey, representing Phoenix Championship Wrestling in Arizona, we got John Wolfgang and Devin Reno. So maybe, like in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, maybe we do a six-man tag. And it's guys from Phoenix Championship Wrestling, and they're wrestling three guys from Santino Brothers. And to make it more of of bringing the companies together, because, you know, even that's what even the big companies are doing, you know, Impact. They're working with everybody. AEW tries to work with everybody. It only expands your fan base. You know, if I can work with Booker T on a show, well, there's a lot of people in Texas who may not know who we are. And if I can work with Defy in Washington, who they use some really talented guys like we do, now all of a sudden, more people become aware of your product because, oh, shit. Like, I know when I went to the uh, Booker T show at the MGM that they did, I'm like, wow, man, he had some really, really good, talented yep. guys. Yep. And in reality, I can't go bringing in six or seven of his guys because I got too many of ours. But maybe if we work together now, it helps their company as well as our company. Right. You know, there was a match. Kenny King was on it. He wrestled Titus Alexander, who's not a Booker T guy. He's a guy out of, out of California who's yep. really, really good. And they had a great match. And it's, it's bringing companies, it's bringing people together. You know, when you live in the same area, you know, the repeat matches, you know, continue on and on and on. So, you know, the idea is since it, we are local, we're not, I'm not a wrestler. So I can't go to California to wrestle a different guy or book a different guy. But right. I could come and I can book a guy and make him work somebody that nobody's ever seen before. Right. And speaking of uh, doing that in Future Shock, we got Future Shock coming up here on uh, March, March 5th. Uh, it's a Saturday. It's 5 p.m. start. Uh, you know, you named a, a couple names. Are there anyone else right now that uh, you have lined up for that Future Shock? Well, yeah, one of the first new talent initiative guys, Jordan Cruz, who over a one-year period has really – you know, made a name for himself, you know, got a tryout at WWE. Uh, I saw he was with Damian Drake and a couple others at New Japan, uh, the dojo this week. So he's going to return the No Limits champion since he couldn't make the last show. You know, Jay Vidal loves it. And Jay Vidal, you know, might be uh, maybe we're going to give him an opportunity to wrestle one of the uh, the brightest up and coming talents from the Arizona, Utah, California, Vegas area. And, you know, we, we have some other guys on the back burner. Sky High is going to be there for sure. You know, trying to make sure we can get Shogun and Hero. And, you know, we're just looking at to, to bring in, you know, some guys that are available. You know, we've lined up a couple in uh, April. Um this guy Isaiah Broner and uh, and Jocelyn Navarro at OVW, uh, they you know she's been here a few times. She she makes yeah. her way out, you know. She's really good friends with Maserati, so yeah. you know they work together. And you know, Maz and, and Sandra try to help get influx some of the talent. Uh, one of my my favorite women wrestlers, Christina Von Erie. You know, she was living in Canada, so yeah. now she's moved closer. Uh, so we're in conversations about uh, maybe using her a little bit more down the line. You know, I think she was the first uh, global force women's champion. 
I think so. As well <laughs> as an as well as an impact star. So yeah. you know, she she brings some name value and would be a great addition to the uh, women's division. Um, as we kind of uh, get a little closer here to wrapping up this week, uh, this past Sunday, uh, Sin Bodie and uh, now Karen Bodie uh, got married. Um, did you uh, see any of the uh, the photos online? And did you uh, did you think I? I know Rocky T was there representing and a bunch of uh, SIN students and FSW wrestlers were there as well. Uh, did you get a chance to kind of uh, get filled in and, and see uh, how cool that wedding actually was? I saw some of the pictures. I saw that SIN got overshadowed by Edge being there. Uh, you know. Story of their would, uh, 39 year relationship. Yeah, you know. I had an extremely long week. I had just gotten back from uh, from New York. They had the show Friday. Then I would be around for my Grange show Saturday. I was just beat and wanted to just sit home and relax on Sunday. You know, a little disappointed I didn't I didn't make it. It seemed like a great time. You know, hopefully uh, the bar don't get shut down for having some 14-year-old playing pool in it. But other than that, you know. Hey, the 14-year-old's mom was there. Oh, so, well, as long as he had a, yeah. as long as he had a chaperone, it's like, <laughs> why would you post a picture? Man. I tell you, Joe, though, that out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching and it was just, it really was kind of fun to watch. See, Bodie didn't know how to play a pool. So Rocky T is showing him how to shoot. And like, well, of course, Rocky D is great at everything. Just ask him. <laughs> so, who better to learn? Well, it's like watching a pool from Rocky T. It's like watching the color of money. You know, Paul Newman <laughs> showing Tom Cruise how to shoot pool. It was it was fabulous, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a great time was had by everyone. I just want to make sure that a shout out to. Uh, to send who yeah he had such a good time he didn't come train the students on monday (laughs) well hey man you know it's it's, he's newlywed what are you gonna do joe well well, okay at least tell tell me you know we could have got somebody to cover you know that's what i need to do what uh that brings up a good question after you got married what did you do the next day uh I don't know because I didn't go on our honeymoon. We didn't go on our honeymoon for about five days later. We went to Maui. So I know after, I know the day my wife gave birth to Joey, it was Super Bowl Sunday (laughs) when he was born. (laughs) And how do I know this? Because after he was born on Sunday, I had to go to Club Paradise and DJ the Super Bowl party there. <laughs> oh man, that's wow! I, I just, I, could you have seen yourself uh, taking uh, Joey in with you, you know, and doing the DJing with the kid, you know, rocking the baby, and <laughs> not as a zero day baby, you know. 
true. I remember right. it was a big deal when my dad used to play Pinochle in Harlem with uh, his boys, and he'd take me into the bar, and I was probably 10 or 11 years old, and you'd look on the wall, and there was big posters of naked women, you yes. know, and be like, oh, wow, this is great, yes. you know. We had the same thing in Chicago, man, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, dad takes you into the bar for the first time, and you're like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah, and then, and then he'd go into the back room, and they would play cards for money yes. all day. Yeah, that's, I think I think that, uh, you know, that's the, uh, the thread between New York and Chicago, is that uh, culture of, uh, you know, the uh, the backroom gaming because there always was the backroom at the bar. And I, I got a better story. My father used to take bets from his uh, buddies in Pepsi Cola because he had a bookmaker. So they'd go through him. And I remember it was like one Wednesday night or whatever. And I had to be 11 or 12 years old. And Nikki Cole was the bookmaker that my father dealt with. When my mother and father went out, so there was a handful of people that would bet with my father, and it was probably basketball season. And I remember the phone ringing, and I had to give out the lines to his, you know, 30, 40 year old buddies. And then they would make the bets. I'd repeat it back or whatever. Then when it was ready for game time, I had to call Nikki Cole and say, okay, I need. Because they use the word times, you know, when you bet. So yeah. time was $5. So he needed 10 times the Knicks. So he was basically laying 55 to win 50. And at 10 or 11, that's why I've been good at math my whole life. Because I was able to figure out all that stuff. So there's my, there's my first. And people wonder why I'm a degenerate gambler. You know what I mean? I was 11 years old taking bets over the phone for my father who was bookmaking. <laughs> Well, I I think there's a Scorsese film in there somewhere. Oh, uh, there there I have plenty that I've tried to hit Stu Stone up. I'm still waiting for him to make the story of the Crazy Horse too. Oh man, oh that's a, that's a classic, ready to be made. I actually wanted to do a uh, Showtime series. I told him called One Big Happy Family because it was like the New York crew and the Chicago crew, and they made a ton of money, but they used to motherfuck each other all the time. So it's a great story. It's like the Sopranos meets like showgirls. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. That's, and that's, it's so funny because that's it. That's, you just nailed it. That's, that's how we felt in Chicago too. We saw the same thing. It was everyone trying to make money together, but boy, the backstabbing and the, uh, the, uh, the power control plays, man. Yeah, uh, there, there was a guy. I forgot his name. His first name was Joe. And it turned out he was the one who discovered Cher and got was like executive producer or some shit to do with Sonny and Cher. And he used to come into the club and he was this old kind gangster guy. He used to come into the DJ booth. He was probably like 70 at the time. And I was always telling him about it. He's like, bro, you what you need to do is you need to get a treatment. You get me a treatment. I could see what I could do for you. Well, I didn't really know how to do a treatment. I didn't understand, you know, Hollywood writing and stuff. But, you know, I could have missed out on my boat, you know. I could have I could have been the next uh, Quentin Tarantino, you know what I mean? 
I could have been M. Night Shyamalan, except I would have like, you know, movies that ended and you understood it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I was looking forward to watching that old movie. It was like, oh my God. I gave, I honestly, I gave up on him after uh, <laughs> I figured out. I'm sitting in the theater and I heard all the buzz, but I didn't hear the reveal for uh, the, uh, the Bruce Willis, uh, the I See Dead People film. And um, oh no, I, I love that one. Well, see, but the problem was is that I'm sitting there, I'm watching this, and it just hit me all of a sudden. I'm like, he's actually dead, and I'm like, and I just deflated because I'm like, fuck, I just figured out the reveal. And at that point, I'm like, eh, if I could figure out that reveal, and that was the prime example of his you know his peak and his his good you know his good writing i went to a couple of the other films and i'm just like are you kidding me throwing water on the aliens like fucking defeats them in signs this is the most ridiculous stupid shit but i still quote from that movie well, swing away the, swing away <laughs> yes yeah i hated that movie too and then there was the one where they were, it turned out we thought they were in the past, but it was like the Amish community or something. Yeah, that, yeah. It, yeah. But I got to say, I'm one of the few, but I did like the lady in the water. Well, yeah, not one of the few. You are the one. Yeah, and, probably. Uh... <laughs> it was kind of like I went to go see uh, Under the Cherry Moon with Prince when he, yeah. read, when he made that movie. And I think uh, me and my my buddy Dave and my ex-girlfriend at the time when I was 18, I we were like three of the only five people, you know, in the entire place to see it. And it bombed. It was out of the theaters in like a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one of those films too. Like if you buy Purple Rain, like they'll include that film because no one wants to buy that film by itself. So yeah. Oh man. Well, it's been a fun time talking with Joe today. I, I appreciate your time. And uh, any final words uh, before uh, we let the audience go? No, yeah, we're really looking forward to this new talent initiative, March 5th uh, at Future Shock, trying to make that a mainstay. Uh, we got a couple of our younger trainees who will be making their debut uh, on that show, as well as a couple who may have had a match or two here and there. Um, but moving forward, you know, we're really looking forward to that uh, AEW weekend. And we're also looking at uh, doing some Lucha stuff on Cinco de Mayo weekend that we're putting together with uh, Ruben over at uh, Mass Republic. Uh, they work a lot with AAA, yep. uh, Kevin Kleinrock, who did the uh, that Lucha show that used to be uh, with the trampolines on MTV, if you remember. Yep. But they had like Seth Rollins, Matt Seidel. They yep. had some of the best young up-and-coming talent in the world. Uh, I forgot the name of that one. Wrestling Society X. Wrestling Society X, yeah. And yeah, Kevin and he's Kleinrock. he's been in the business for a long time. Kevin Kleinrock actually uh, was uh, one of the guys behind the scenes on XPW when yes. uh, that was going. So... Yeah, very, very wonderful guy, um, and Ruben's a great guy. They do some wonderful stuff with Mass Republic, and um, 
yeah, that's exciting news to hear um, because if you if you are looking at the king the kings of lucha in the United States, you don't have to look further than Master Republic. So that's awesome to hear and, and very exciting news. Um, and uh, again, Future Shock is uh, March fifth. It's at five p.m. Uh, if you can't make it down to the arena. Of course, FSW Network, uh, $6.99 a month. You uh, get Future Shock, you get High Octane, um, and uh, sometimes you even get one of the bigger shows uh, that you don't have to go and pay Fight TV for. You can see it right on the network if you're a subscriber. And of course, you can see the whole catalog of FSW, uh, as well as uh, you know programs that... Uh, include primo primo's baking and uh and bondo's uh horrible reviews of movies that nobody's ever seen in their lives <laughs> so check it out and uh, again thank you for supporting the vegas bad boys of podcasting and until next time everyone we'll see you then